0: back. I know you guys have missed hearing my illustrious voice, and I am so excited. Men, women, boys, girls, listeners, Backwoods Theology is back, and I am excited that you have decided to join us today. We are back in in our, what is it? The vault, as we've used it in the past. We are back around the round table, a real round table. And I am joined once again with my great friend, Pastor Chad Colburn. That's the- Hello. And my other great friend, Pastor James Wiley. Hello to you. And we have been beyond busy. Um, it it has been nuts. Thank you, listener, for your patience. I know you have subscribed and you are waiting anxiously every week to see if a new episode was uploaded. Well, you get one and we're excited to be back. It has been just one, one thing after another. Um, we had collectively, we get together and we have something that we have come to love. It is called family camp. And we, uh, as churches and several other churches involved, we get together, um, we meet at a, at, at, um, commonplace, I guess I can say it that way. And we just have, we under the tent, we have, um, games, we have a snack shack. We just, we, we, want to make it as campy as possible. And we have a great time. We have a guest speaker come in and, uh, preach truth, uh, this past, uh, Family camp. Make a shout out to our friend, Brother John Hawkins. Mm-hmm. It was a blessing. He preached wonderfully. Our our theme was um, profitable, and we used Second Timothy three sixteen all Scripture. And um, so, what a great great time we had! Yeah, it feels like it's a long time ago because yeah. it's been a long time. Yeah, <laughs> it's been you almost don't... two months. I know. Yeah, but it's been so long. So I we know. had family camp. We had you had missions conference. Yes. Um, uh, we had um, bearing precious seed come up. And uh, with the Gospel of John and Romans, we put together 10,000 Bibles for the uh, Yucatan Peninsula there in Mexico. We had a great time. That was, that was awesome. And um, our church was, we, we, we started on a Friday night. We did three hours Friday. Had dinner first at three hours. Came back Saturday morning, um, had breakfast, and literally hour and a half we were done. So four and a half hours, we put ten thousand Bibles together. It was so fun, and um, so our church is excited. To next year, we want to do twenty thousand, and because um, I know where the Wiley Your Church does twenty, correct? Correct. And Chad, Your Church does
1: twenty. Uh we do twenty thousand one hundred, I think. Yeah, I'm sure you yeah, do. So we'll do like twenty
0: thousand one hundred <laughs> and one, um, and next year. So no, it was fun. I, I really enjoyed. He, he put me on the cutter. That was my job. Nice. That's the place of honor. Yeah. So I I used the cutter. Everybody else, I didn't I didn't staple. I didn't, you know, the, we had enough workers. So you heard this a lot during the night. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, well, our cutter was upstairs. Ah yes. Because we couldn't fit it through the downstairs door. Okay. And so his first question was, How good's your floor? I said, What do you mean? He goes, This thing's like 15,000 pounds over here at that match. <laughs> it's heavy. And I'm like, uh, I think it'll hold. So we brought it in upstairs. So all the work was done. The assembly was done downstairs. Directly beneath it. Yep, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, and we used the children. That was one of their jobs: was to run up and down the stairs. Mm-hmm. And so they would bring up a, a bundle, and then we cut them right there and yep. package them and then set them in front of the pulpit. And it was a good time. We, we, it. I think Dave Wiley, your brother and your member, said that um, the greatest thing about that was, he goes, I've always viewed it as a mission trip without going on the mission trip. Mm-hmm. He goes, everybody can go. And everybody has the ability to travel to the Philippines. But your whole church can work and get involved that way. And it was fun. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, we were singing, um, maybe singing some Christmas songs. But we, just, we had a
2: blast. And, and without, it, so. without the word of God, you have no missions. That's true. There is no yeah. missions right.
0: without the word of God. So it is Amen. so essential. It was great. So that's what we did. And Chad, you've been swinging a hammer.
1: Yeah, I've been doing a little bit of roofing and uh, just getting a few projects wrapped up before winter comes and firewood, everybody's doing firewood. Yeah. And then uh, our school, we added a staff member and added uh, some students this year. And so there's been some transition there. And, uh, you know, the weeks string together and they become months. Yes. Yeah, and so... Um, It's a bummer that we have gone a little bit of time between recording, but also I think there's profitability in it because it does give us a moment to to stop, pause, and reflect upon our purpose.
0: We all, all three of us are pastors. We all have ministries. Um, We all have jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, We we, we do work outside of uh, just pastoring.
2: And also, there's a
0: lot of people listening that
2: perhaps don't understand what getting ready for winter is. Yeah. Like a lot of my pastor friends, getting ready for winter is making sure they know where their couple sweaters are. Sure. Where here in Maine, you know, it can take weeks to just get mm. everything prepared, because you just have no idea what the winter is going to bring. And
1: it descends quickly. It does. It descends. We're supposed to get snow tomorrow. Some of our Mainer friends have already had snow. Right. We're supposed to get snow tomorrow. That's right. Yeah, we are supposed to get some tomorrow. So, <sighs> yep. If you're trying to time stamp this recording, it's not July. No. <laughs> yeah, it's not July. <laughs> so, my wife says, well, it'll be nice again in June. <laughs> so, Yep wonderful. Well, I was thinking before we we dive into our study today, I was I was just thinking about something um that I I wanted to n- make note of. And, you know, the the title of our podcast is Backwoods Theology. And the reason it it's Backwoods Theology is is I in my mind it's twofold. Number one is that um a Bible believer is someone who is uh, like a Berean. And the Bereans are described in the scripture as those that receive the word with all readiness of mind. And so they receive the word with readiness of mind. This is Acts 17, verse number 11. But then what happens is they search the scriptures whether those things were so. And one of the things, if you have lived long enough, and listened to enough preaching and enough teaching, um, you will, over time, find that there are some things that you are taught that are so, and there are also some things that you are taught that are not so. That's right. And uh, in making that statement, I am not assigning motive uh, or intent to anybody, or trying to undermine or, or hurt anybody's feelings. If your feelings are hurt, that's your own problem. Grow up. But um, I think we should understand that not everything that comes um, from behind a pulpit or behind a lectern or behind a dais uh, is precisely accurate, correct, true. And so what must happen is that we, having our Bibles open with a ready mind, uh, search the scriptures, whether those things were so. It is easy to accept somebody's systematic theology that has been uh, published and put together with beautiful pictures and cross-references. It's wonderful to just be able to, to accept a systematic theology and run with it and not think about it. But there are some of us out there who are unable to... Uh, stand by or stomach someone simply telling us what must be believed without any kind of sound scriptural exegesis. Now, exegesis is different than eisegesis. Yes. Eisegesis is when I have my preconceived notions, my glasses, if you will, that are a certain prescription, and I see things a certain way. and. And if you will eisegete, that means that you're going to take your, I'm, I'm going to speak to my ministry context. Um, I am a Mainer, grew up in Maine, um, a bearded Mainer who burns firewood, who thinks a certain way, who, who um, there's just a certain way that, that Mainers are, a certain way that our people are. So if I take my Mainerisms, and I plug my mannerisms, my manner ways of thinking into the Bible. If I overlay my mannerism, even my church exposure, upbringing, the things I was taught as a kid, if I superimpose those things on top of Scripture, then I am, to a certain degree, suffocating what it is that Scripture may be saying. I'm hindering it. I'm suppressing it. And that is unwise, brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, if there is a person that ever tells you, um, or tries to tell you how you must think or how you must believe uh, or, um, or tries to snare you into their uh, line of thinking, then I would just caution you to be wary and, um, and just note the Bereans. The Bible doesn't say that the Bereans had a pastor that told them everything that was to be believed. The Bible describes the Bereans as a group, as a church, a group of believers that searched the scriptures, whether those things were so. That, that means also that they didn't just take Paul's word for it. That's right. Okay, if there's anybody you could probably take his word for, it was Paul. But Paul didn't admonish them to take his word for it. Matter of fact, I it says, it. if I'm not mistaken, they were more noble than the Thessalonians. Correct.
0: Or Thessalonians, but those in Thessalonica. Sure, yep. And uh, in that, they search the scriptures.
1: Right. So right. there's there's nobility, biblically speaking. Yeah. I mean, it's this is the word of God. So it's God that describes these people as more noble. And um, God wants you to think. God wants you to think with your Bible open, uh, with a, a readiness of mind, a willingness to be taught. And we do that as... Not just Mainers, because I'm not a Mainer. Sure. You
0: are not a Mainer. No. Yep. But we do that also, which I believe I can show you biblically that I can be one, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. I digress. <laughs> Jesus was that never- That was called... very compelling. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Jesus yes. was never called a Bethlehemite. No, he was Nazarite. But he was never, he wasn't born in Nazareth. Yeah. But I can't I can't do everything that Jesus did. Right. So I, <laughs> Sure. I was told I can't never be a Mainer because I wasn't born in Maine. But anyway, so- um, but we also do this. We don't just say, I think as Mainers, we think as Americans.
1: Sure, oh yeah. You know, yep.
0: Western has, society has really influenced the way we think, especially in the, in the scriptures. So,
1: I think that's important too. Yeah, well, I mean, the Bible has influenced Western thought. Yes. But then what Western thought has become has done the same to our Bible reading. Yes. Um, which, which is sometimes very unhelpful. Um, so, and, and within America, our own churches, you know,
2: there are lines of thinking and ways that people were raised, and all that they've ever heard, and cultural, you know, where my wife is from, the church culture was much different than where I was raised. Mm-hmm. Where I was raised, if someone said amen in the church, it got everybody nervous. Sure. Yeah. Whereas where my wife grew up, she grew up in the tent meetings of the South where they pick up the preacher and someone runs around the tent with him right. while he's preaching yes. and everybody right. is losing their minds. And I'm not saying any's right or wrong. I'm just saying that you have these cultures, but what's happened. I've found speaking to what you're saying, Chad is we've believed a certain line of thinking that can't be backed up biblically, but it's all we've ever heard. Mm-hmm. It's all we've ever heard. And, um, you know, lately I've had a lot of folks come and challenge some of my positions, and I guess that's as polite as I'll put it. And then when I ask them, okay, well, why don't you share with me your position?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Can't do it. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. can't do it. Yeah. Then I say, well, how do you know my position is wrong? Well, it just feels wrong. Mm-hmm. Feels wrong. Mm. Do we? Mm. Do we base? Because to be honest with you. If we based our belief on what feels wrong.
0: They're changing all the time.
2: I believe a lot of people going to hell, that doesn't feel right to me. Sure, yeah. Those are good people as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, people who have never heard the name Jesus. You know, I could speak, you know, humanitarily. That doesn't feel right. So I don't base my biblical understanding on feelings, because feelings are are just going to fail you every time. But also, if you are going to publicly, or you know, go and refute someone's biblical position, and you can't even articulate your own, mm-hmm.
1: I believe, you know, that's a that's a bad position to be in. Sure. And I think you know I want to be, boy, you know, because we're touching on a couple of um, what do you call those things? Uh, calves, sacred cows. You know. Yes. And I know that. I've really wrestled with, um, you know, being described as a fundamentalist. Is that a moniker that I would like assigned to my name? Oh
2: boy, sacred cow, for sure. But you
1: know what, though? Here's where I'm at, guys, to be honest. Um, I know that that whoever, the generation that follows me is going to look back on decisions I made, ways I did things, and... You know, they may have a field day with some of the things that I did and said, um, but I don't want to teach the generation to come a disrespect for the generation that's previous, right? So there has to be this balance of, uh, I don't want to disrespect the previous generation and all that they did, all that the Lord used them to accomplish, right? But I don't want to exalt them either— to an inappropriate place of worship, right? So, I'm at a place where um, I'm not a fundy, okay, which means to me would mean uh, someone who holds to um, traditions of men with an almost um, rabies-like fervor. That's not what I'm after, um, but I don't mind when someone labels me as a fundamentalist, as someone who holds to the fundamentals of Scripture, the fundamentals of the faith, um, the doctrines of the faith. That doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. So I want to make sure that, because you can't see my face, um, which I am loaded with expression as, as a general rule, right? But I do want to make sure that people understand that you can respect and you shouldn't cast off the traditions um, for sake of being an anti-traditionalist, but you should examine the positions that you are taught hmm. and this, the scripturalness of them. Um, and that was the heart of the, the Bereans, I
0: think. And it's important, too. Like, you, I think you mentioned, if they're going to believe anybody, it's Paul, you know, but truth be known – we can all say we've been taught something by somebody we love, we respect, we hold to a high position in our life, a high uh, a, a stature in our life that we can say, "I know that's what you taught me," but I don't believe that's what the Scripture says. You
1: know what I mean? We right. Don't just
0: believe it because Doctor So and So that we love and respect. But so then much you're not so. going to
1: turn around and defame Doctor So and So's exactly. character. Exactly. Right. right. You want to get my goose? That's a good way to do it. Is to to not, if if you have a disagreement with a man, then as a man you should approach that man one on one and discuss your disagreement man to man one on one. Um, I think it's ex- well. I, I tell you, I was reading this this morning. I believe the Bible says to do that, doesn't it? Well, Proverbs in my Bible reading this morning, Proverbs twenty. You know, Proverbs 20, verse thir- 3 says, It is an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. And I think the honorable thing to do is to not create strife, but to go and talk to that someone you dis- disagree with one-on-one. Not even necessarily to agree, but to understand. Amen. And, and avoid creating uh, controversy, difficulty. Every fool will be meddling. That's not my idea. That's God's idea. God's truth, and so uh, it was just. I, I know this is maybe not <laughs> our conversation today, but it's just helpful for me to, while I have someone's ear, um, just to state as charitably as I can, um, search the scriptures to see if these things are so.
0: And that and that listener don't believe backwards theology. Sure, you know what I mean, right? Uh, I, I don't want anybody ever to listen to our podcast and then say, "Oh, I believe it because they said it." Right. Or church, I, I, I've told truth several times. It's important. Okay, okay. Here's here's a here's a fundy thing that I hold to. Bring your Bible to church. Yeah. Okay. Bring your Bible to church. Mm-hmm. And and I was I just showed live streaming is great because I can watch other people and I can see what they're doing and I know what not to do. And so I'm watching this guy and I, I told, I brought, I grabbed my wife. I said, Duska, come here, look at this. And I said, look at what he's doing. And here's a man that we sat under for four years when we lived outside the state. And, and I said, watch what he does. And he has his pulpit. It's this plexiglass pulpit, which I'm already, I'm like, ugh, but that's just me. Okay. That, that, that is a preference. That's not a doctrine. But he's got his pulpit here and he's got a plexiglass table beside him. Like little round table, Mm -hmm. and he has his Bible on the table over here, and all his sermon notes in front of him. Mm -hmm. So then he does this: he steps over here and he reads the half a verse. And then he—now we're talking—we're eight ten minutes into the sermon, so he just now reads the verse. There's been at least
1: eight really good jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And then he comes back over here. I'm just kidding. And for the next twenty minutes. Is reading a quote that so and so said. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to get to is, you could sit, and I told, I said, let watch." We could sit in this church service and never once have our Bible. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I I could sit in that church service and did and not bring my Bible to quote unquote church, and listen to this guy preach and walk out and say, "Man, I was really blessed," mm-hmm. but I didn't search the scriptures. It's vital for the listener uh, to back with theology, and and if you listen to this podcast, and you're not a member of any of our three churches, and you're a member of another church, praise God.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But don't take your pastor's word for it. Bring your Bible, and you know what I mean. And listen to what he says. Yes, he's supposed to give the understanding. I believe that's a biblical truth. Mm-hmm. Um, he is going to. He is if he's if he's worth any anything as a pastor, he's going to give you the truth. But it's good to have the scriptures with you in front. I used to apologize to our church for how many times we have to turn. you mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm using a lot of Bible today. And I've had like three people tell me, like, stop apologizing for using so much Bible. Sure. We'd rather you use so much Bible and run out of time because you use so much scripture and not run out of time because you had a cool story you want to share. And you're looking at the, the, the king of joke telling. Mm. And even in 14 years of pastoring, I can go back and I'm like, man... I would I would finish a sermon and say oh, I'm sorry I'm out of time. Well, had I not told that 20 minute joke, I would have had plenty of time. So, um, I know I'm rabbit trailing right now, but it's important. I guess have the Bible, mm-hmm. read the Bible, study, be a Berean, search the Scriptures to see if these things were so. I know what the Bible says. So, yep. I've
2: been told several times recently that by going to so much Scripture you're causing confusion. Mm. Uh, you're causing confusion. You're just confusing people by going to all of these. In essence, what they're saying is is that these scriptures do not go together, and you're just confusing folks. And I always try to say, no, the Bible brings clarity. Amen. I'm trying to clarify the confusion that has been brought. Amen. And the Word of God is the only thing that's going to, because my, you know, well-placed commentary or my, is, is only as good as the next guy's. That's right. But the Word of God is, is going to bring the clarity. And quite frankly, I believe that when the Word of God is referencing... Another passage. We ought to go. Sure. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. It, if Jesus says, "Have you not read?" or "As it is written," or Paul, as he does, is quoting constantly yes. the Old yes. Testament. Should we not go back and see what he is? What he is? Well, is
0: that not the biblical method? Of course, comparing scripture. Or it, well, and the biblical method things, the is thing.
1: study. Amen. Is the biblical method, and that is, and you know, I tell you what, guys, I've I've gotten. You know, there's some things that I have worked through on Sunday afternoons that at times I'm thinking, oh, this is a waste of their time. This is a waste of their time. They don't need to know about principalities and powers. They just, you know, and I can get discouraged because I think, am I wasting their time, thereby wasting my time, you know, give, teaching this? Um, and, and that is a wrestling match because there is so, sometimes a ton of scripture Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to To verify or scripture needs to be strung together, um, in, in a way that that takes time. That takes time. I I think as well a uh, uh, a speed
2: bump so to speak that I deal with and perhaps others deal with is we live in a generation of if this doesn't apply to me. Or if, if this isn't about me, then why are we even bothering mm, right. going through this? Mm. Because we do live in a what's in it for me society. And I've been told, well, Pastor, if these things do not if these things do not pertain unto us. Now look, the Bible says all scriptures profit. The Bible says they're written for our learning. But we have to understand that, okay, these things are not written about us. Mm-hmm. And we live, in, we live in a society where people are only concerned about things that are about me and right. how, is, how are you going to apply this to my life? That's right. mm-hmm. And there's a few things that I try to help with. Number one, the word of God is not about me. It's about him. Amen. The word of God teaches me about him. Uh, but also, if I can only preach from things that pertain to... Unto the New Testament believer, eighty-five percent of the Bible, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. is
1: is directed to the nation of writing about
2: Christ and His kingdom, and and so um, you are muzzling the ox that treads the corn by Mm -hmm. saying that well, we just want things that pertain unto us. Well. It's all profitable for us and it teaches us about God, teaches Mm. us about him. So that's one thing that I'm dealing with as well is that because, you know, most of the word of God, most of the word of God is about, you know, God's relationship with the nation of Israel, their restoration, uh, his coming for them. That's not all
0: the word of God. But I think we would all have to agree it's the majority of the Word of God mm-hmm. is about that. Well, we hear the word doctrine. What's well, profitable for doctrine? But what doctrine? You have to, you know what I mean, right? What doctrine? Right. Is it is it the doctrine for for the kingdom? Is it the doctrine for the church? You, you see what I'm saying? Sure. I can
1: get doctrine out of Deuteronomy, but I'm not going to get church doctrine. Well, you have to rightly divide to place doctrine. That's right. In its proper category. This is, you know, you, you talk about. Things that pertain right to Mm -hmm. me, and even like things that the concern is things that pertain to me right now in my specific situation, right? But you know, if if there's there's things that a wise man does in life in preparation for things down the road, like an insurance policy. I I don't want to die anytime soon, um, but if I were to die. There are things set up whereby my family is taken care of, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, the Bible says that we're to buy the truth and sell it not. And there are things that we pay for every day that we may never see the benefit of them, or by the time we see the benefit of them, others see the benefit we don't. So, when it comes to Bible study, it isn't always about you. It isn't always something that pertains directly to you, but it is something that when the truth is made available to you, you take it. You take it and you, you file it away and you learn and you grow. And even if it doesn't, in this very moment, it's totally unclear how it is that this helps you, which is so narrow-minded, pay your bills on Tuesday, you know, um, buy the truth and sell it not and, and study to show yourself approved unto God. Much study is a weariness of the flesh. Yeah, tough. It's going to be hard. You're going to have to think through some things, but you can, you can either do that or you can simply just take someone else's word for it. Mm. You know? I'm,
2: I'm amazed, um, and I'm careful. You know, I try to be careful because I already, you know, I have this saying. I'm, you know, I'll be talking with someone. I'm like, I'm trying not to be a jerk, and mm-hmm. then I've realized I can be a jerk without trying. I, I mean, I, I'm not trying to, but. I've just noticed recent, you know, it, I've been noticing over the last several years, but it has just been highlighted so recently how lofty men hold the writings of men. The, I, I, I mean, I, I'm just amazed at, you know, how how lofty it is. I, I just. You know, when I speak with other preachers and I mention what book I'm preaching in, their first question is almost always, well, who are you reading? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wh- what do you mean, who am I reading?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, you have no business preaching this book if you're not reading this guy. He's not right on this book, but he's right on that book. You know, <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's just amazing to me. I, I have no issue with commentary. I, I have no idea what the two of you do. No issue with it at all if a man wants to use that. But- I'm just – I'll use the word concerned at how important some men hold the words of men. I have no trouble with the – comment as long as it's in line with the word of God. But my word, I I mean –
1: I have two thoughts, though. Because,
2: okay, uh, and I've been told that I have the arrogant position. I've been told that more than once. Because I believe – God gave man his word mm-hmm. and God gave man his spirit to guide him in that Amen. word. And again, I have no trouble if someone wants to pull a book off the shelf to get an idea or a jump start or whatever it is, that's fine. But to call a man arrogant that just believes God that I can read his word and the spirit will guide me in truth, but then at the end of that, I'm accused of. Well, that's a private interpretation because you have not considered what other men think. Mm-hmm. Well, if we'd stop and think about that just for a second, um, you know that's the passage in in Second Peter chapter mm-hmm. number one where sure. it speaks about how God gave man His word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I always, every time someone brings up that verse to me, it's always used incorrectly. Mm-hmm. And I'll stop them and and I'll say, okay, define for me private interpretation. Mm -hmm. Define that for me. And then I'll define it for you. And they'll say, well, there's a, you know, in essence, their private interpretation is, and whoever this is, whatever group of men determine what the word of God says. And if you believe something opposed to that, well, that's a private interpretation. And I say, no, what that means is God gave what he said and gave what he meant. And if man comes to any other conclusion besides what he meant, then that's a private interpretation. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, I, <laughs> because if I believe anything different than the way God gave it, then that's a private interpretation. It's interesting. That's the only place in the word of God where I find the word private is that mm-hmm. verse. Mm-hmm. And I believe what God is saying is I gave my word. Mm-hmm. And if you take it in any other way in which it is given, then that's a private interpretation. Mm. And man has massaged it. He has destroyed it. He has, um, instead of us just, reading his word, having the spirit guide us just as he promised he would, but that's the arrogant position. And I, I just, I fail to understand that. I, I, I truly, because when I study, I try to not leave the scriptures.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I believe you can do so. I do the same. I believe that you can study the word of God and you don't need to, you don't need to leave the word of God. Mm-hmm.
0: I think it helps to... Um too many are jumping to the commentary or to the other guy's writings as a first. As a as a let me read this. Okay, let me read what he says. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And um, I have no problem. I consult the commentary. I consult another man's. Well, writing. if you do that, how do you know which one's right? Exactly. <laughs> I, I do that after. Sure. You know, I'll, I'll maybe come to a conclusion in in a passage, and then I'll check this guy, and I'll go. Well, he's. He didn't come to the same conclusion I did. So then I go and I'm like, okay, this guy's smart. He's not stupid. He wrote a book. So I'm going to go recheck myself. And there are times I just go, I don't, I don't think this guy's right. Mm-hmm. And there are other times this guy's same conclusion I am. And I, You know what I mean? That, that's one of the one of the things I do, but not always. Um, I don't always do that. I was studying Psalm. We're walking through Psalms. And uh, we're at Psalm um, 112, and I was looking at today, and I I did a lot of comparing, and I can see um, where the whole psalm, all 10 verses, it's, it's the kingdom. Everything about it's the kingdom. And I checked this guy, and this guy didn't even bring up the kingdom. You know what I mean? Right. And so he made it completely, what you and I, the term is used today is it's very devotional. Whereas I don't believe the scripture is being devotional, I believe it's being direct. As this is what the kingdom is going to be like, um, but I, that's beside the point. But you were going to say something. Um,
1: well, I think if we think about it, if so, there's a couple things. The first is um, none of us are an island to ourselves. Amen. And you know the Bible talks about iron sharpening iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. So There's an effect that while – if you were to take a thought experiment and say, could a man on an island with the Bible, you know, could he understand the word of God? And I would say, yes, he could. And and that is built upon the understanding that the scripture teaches um, that the Holy Spirit indwells and he leads and guides us into – I think the word there is all truth, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. So – theoretically, it's possible for that to happen. We don't have any examples that I can think of to draw on where that has happened. What we do have is God putting people in our lives and giving us um, a certain time in which we live and, and a certain certain experiences, certain workings in our lives that God works to, um, to, to bring us to places of understanding. So here I, I think that it, it can be narrow and maybe unintentionally so, narrow to understand that a commentary is an exclusive means to understanding, okay? because oh, that's good. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're yep. saying. So, cause, because um, some of the, we've all heard preachers who we know that they pastor in very rural contexts, mm-hmm. okay, I'm using technical terms, but, but the power of God is clear in their preaching because they're preaching the word of God. And and whether they're referencing this guy or that guy is a moot point because they're preaching the Bible. So when a man preaches the Bible and he says Warren Wearsby says that doesn't mean anything for the regular church person, right? They want to know what does the Word of God say. So it is it can be narrow to think that a commentary is an exclusive means to to amplifying our understanding of scriptures. Because
2: most, I mean, I'm thinking of our church folks. Uh, and all the commentaries, and you say, "Well, this person that means absolutely nothing
1: right, to, to the them. person
2: in the pew." You might as well you might as well give a movie star's last name. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. it means you know. Besides, yeah, if you, I would say. Arnold besides, Schwarzenegger
1: said besides, besides yeah. right? Spurgeon, I like quoting Mike Tyson myself. Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay, who and who in your church? I mean, we're talking as a whole, mm-hmm. not. There's a few in your church yeah, yeah. that would know the names Phillips or Barnes or Henry. Mm-hmm. or, But besides Spurgeon, what other commentary name do you think is so
1: well known that the majority of your church is even going to know who that is? I would argue that most people at this point have no idea who Spurgeon is. True, yeah. You know, at yeah. this point. As a preacher, you know who he is. But um, So, but- I
2: mean, if you're telling me something and you just say, this person said this, and I don't even know who
1: that person is. What does that mean that anything meant nothing to me? To you. Doesn't mean anything to me. Um remember when Solomon went by the field of the slothful and he considered it well. And and then what he saw with his eyes and what he considered well, God then took that and through inspiration he penned what he saw about the slothful man. Okay? So so Solomon did not read a commentary on sloth before God had him write what he wrote about the slothful man right so so that's one thought on on the commentary thing here's the other thing i full disclosure um there are particular p- preachers that um i do like to read um what they write i primarily read it to find better ways to express what i what i, I already like believe mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so if because um I can be. I want to be precise. I want to be technical. I want it to be, you know, what what because words have meaning, and I want people to know what God means because I don't want a private interpretive system. Um, so so there's that's the first thing. The second thing, if I can remember it, if I can remember it, which I probably can't.
2: While you're thinking of it. <clears throat> I can't because I'm so old. This will spur it as you bring it. I've I've heard this a lot lately as
1: well. Oh, I got it. <laughs> Go ahead. I can not, remember. I I'll write it down. I won't down. forget. I'll write, write it, it down. No, I'll write it down. Is there
2: such a thing as a new truth? You know, I've been accused quite a bit lately of these, quote unquote, new truths. Hmm. And I think to myself, new truths, what What does that even mean? Um, and I understand what they're implying that I'm bringing up something that they haven't heard so they consider it a new truth. How can there be a new truth about the word of God? Uh, it could be new to them. yeah. Um, but since the Bible is written, the truth has been there. There's nothing new there. Amen. Um, and also I would submit to you, You know, because what they'll also say is, well, no other men have seen this. Well, we have to understand as well that commentary is a modern thing compared to the Word of God. Because were there books written in the 1600s and 1700s? Yes. But did the common man have them? Right. Um, Not only did the common man not have them for multiple reasons – you know, think of it, the expense, you know, we went to Williamsburg years ago and they told us how expensive it was. They said for a family to have a Bible, you know, those family Bibles, it was two years wage for a man to have a Bible.
0: Hmm.
2: People didn't have Bibles. Hmm. They did not have Bibles in their homes. So they certainly didn't have commentaries in their homes. Those were for the Places of education or whatever. Yeah, it was the well, library.
1: Their preacher was their commentary. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. All I'm saying is is to say that well, through these commentaries, they have well established the two thousand years of of what man has believed and chronicled what man has believed. How do you know that?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: How how do you know that? And I would. I would submit that as far as the 2,000 years of history since the completion of the Word of God, that commentary is the new truth, hmm. so to speak, in compared to just reading the Bible and believing what God said. Amen. Um, so, it sounds like we've... <laughs> I heard... Well, can I, I, can I say you, you wrote that? You wrote I it down. You wrote it on your hand. On my hand, Yeah.
1: Right. Okay so um there was a a man i who i respect um who was teaching uh who who was discussing understanding trends okay and so so a trend right you you don't just wanna understand where you are but but where you have been and then you wanna correlate the two to figure out where you're going okay so It's not just where you are right now, on any issue, where you are right now, but where is that issue taking you? Okay, simple application is music, okay? When you make a change in your church, in your music, um, it's not just where it puts you, but where it places you down the road, okay? So, taking that principle and then applying it to um, education, because ultimately commentary is the result of education, okay? And academia is
2: obsessed with academia
1: right what i always right 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 and textual criticism as a discipline okay so textual criticism which is which is um exactly what it is criticism of the text okay textual criticism is something that arose out of academia okay and and ultimately Textual criticism, and this is great, This a, a, a pastor mentioned this, I'm like, this he is right. Textual criticism is the application of evolutionary thinking to the Bible. Textual Makes criticism sense. is the application of evolutionary thinking to the Bible, which is, we can make the Bible better through textual criticism. Mm-hmm. So, so, in order for textual criticism to, to really to... to to exist, there have to be presuppositions, and one of those is that we are missing or we don't have um, everything as it pertains to scripture so though there's a promise of preservation in the Bible, it is our job as men to preserve it better and to make sure it's more preserved so for example, the ESV I think is in its its twenty seventh edition the, I think it's the Nestle Elon text is the it's in its twenty seventh edition and publishing. So, if you just think like a simple man, if it's in its twenty seventh edition, that means that the twenty six previous editions are different. There has to be enough differences in them in order to produce a new and an updated edition. And so that means that there's been in that Nestle Aland family um, by the time at the twenty seventh edition, you're producing something that has not been produced before. Okay.
2: Yeah, I read somewhere that. In order for someone to copyright and print a new Bible, quote-unquote, it needs to be a certain percent difference, difference from right? anything else. And even if that's just spelling
1: variations, right? right? Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. If there just, needs to be yeah.
2: a certain percent or it's just the same thing. All right, so I know... Which, that should be very telling. It should be.
1: Okay, stay with, stay with me, okay? What we have to be careful is that as we are preparing another generation of people to pastor a flock of God is that whether it's through commentary or textual criticism we don't set up um idols whereby we submit our interpretations to right that we don't set up before so if my son any of my sons if they were to say dad um i uh desire the office of a bishop okay and he has if he were to have the gift of pastoring he desired the office of a bishop then I don't want to set him up to think that, well, in order to be a successful pastor, then you must have certain things on your resume, and one of those being academia. Because textual criticism rests on academia. And so, as Bible believers, for our interpretations to rest upon academia, that actually, in principle, makes us more similar to the textual critics than different. That's right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And and I don't want to trendline my own children towards relying upon a Nicolaitan to understand the Bible than taking responsibility for themselves. Does that all make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. That's I can wash wash my hands <laughs> and take that off. That's my concern. My concern with commentary is that it becomes primary instead of secondary. Amen. It could be secondary, but it should never be primary. Amen. Yep. And that would go for, if you're a regular, you're reading your Bible every day, um, and you, maybe you have a Days of Praise or a Daily Bread or some kind of supplemental devotional too often, those supplemental tools become the primary mode right. of understanding that's and right. worshiping God. And that's not, that's not what God wants for you. He wants you to know Him directly. I would just
2: I would like to share with the listener too in that if you are if you are going to disagree with someone and there's you know if someone is teaching or preaching error then they ought to be confronted. I would just say be able to articulate biblically you know if you're gonna say that is wrong and you can't articulate what is right, Mm then perhaps it should be someone else who should go and confront, uh, the person who is giving error. Um, I, I, I find it interesting. I, you know, obviously the last episode I recorded the last episode, I have not had one person, not one contact me, you know, um, which I personally, I find to be interesting. Um, I did what I felt was, okay, I'm going to take this passage because I believe the Bible points to itself. I don't believe the Bible points outside of itself for its interpretation. I just don't. And what is interesting, you know, and so I just, the best of my ability, tried to show how all of these things had already been said in the scriptures. And so all I'm saying is, is I know that probably most, if not all who heard that disagreed with my position on that particular text. And that's perfectly okay. Iron sharpens iron, you know, that's fine. But if someone came to me and said, you know what, James, I disagree with your conclusion on that text. Guess what my response is going to be? Great. Mm -hmm. You show me biblically what you believe Mm -hmm. and i feel like if i'm going to disagree with someone and say you know what that's not right and i don't have the ability to be able to show what is right then what business do i have right so you know i would say okay you don't believe these are tribulation churches awesome let's learn together show me biblically how they're New Testament churches, and I, I've stood before my church so many times in the last few years and said I was wrong. Hmm. I think what happens is is we stop we we just aren't teachable anymore. Hmm. and there's you know, it's no before I even hear something, and again, You know, I've been called some things in the past, you know, several weeks, which I've never heard in 20 years ever. What's interesting is, is I'm just showing, I had one person, you know, label me a heretic and, and I said, well, okay, why don't you, why don't you declare to me what you believe? He kept quoting this particular commentary writer who is publicly does not believe in the King James Bible.
0: He's already a textual critic,
2: yeah. He does not believe in the King, it's well known. Mm -hmm. And so, I stopped this individual and I said, now, you understand this person doesn't believe in the Word of God. You do understand that. Mm -hmm. And I got the typical, you know, saying that people say, which I think is ridiculous, but I said, so... What was the particular saying? (laughs) I knew you were <laughs> like, I'll refrain from that. All right, fine. <laughs> okay. um, Off the record. I've heard <laughs> it all these years, and it doesn't make any sense to me. But um, I said, so you do understand he does not believe in the King James Bible? Yes. Okay, do you think he's a heretic? That's a great question. Do you think he's a heretic? Right. You just came in here. You called me a heretic because I believe there's a line between Israel and the church mm-hmm. that you don't see. Mm-hmm. And I'm a heretic. This man doesn't even believe in the word of God. Is mm. he a heretic? Oh, no. Mm-hmm. So you would not label him as a heretic? I said, so the issue
1: of. Not, not that you would label that man a heretic, no. but you're no, no, just no. saying. No, no, no. You, yeah. My point is. My point is.
2: So what you're saying is, okay, the issue of whether Israel and the church and where the line is between them is more damnable than what the Word of God is, mm-hmm. to begin with. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't get that through my mind. I said, I, I'm sorry, I just, I'm not trying again, not trying to be a jerk here, but why are you grasping onto what this man has to say, and he publicly doesn't even believe in the Bible, and yet you just think, I need to be marked, and because... I believe there's a darker line between the Israel and church than you do. Mm I said, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's people that I don't agree with, with their stand on the scriptures. I'm not going to call them a heretic. I mean, the word of God is so great. Yeah, It is so much higher than our ways and thoughts. And I'm not going to... I'm not going
1: to wield the word heretic like a loaded gun, like a child. No, this is great because um, uh, this is the third thing I remember now. Yeah. So, when <laughs> Was it it on comes your hand? To, I thought your hand No. <laughs> you no, know, it's... No. But it's the third thing because it is. So, <laughs> right? Because it's the way it is. Um, even something like the King James Bible itself, right? So... There are two. There's two major positions on the King James Bible. We were educated in Josh. I'm looking at you. We were educated in a line of thinking that was based upon um, the received text, like the received text tradition. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'm safe to say that we have both pivoted to a faith-based position, mm-hmm. right? Which is because God promised to preserve His Word, um, it's not, it is not necessary for us to hold to a, um, you know, the, the, the RT, Masoretic Hebrew tradition. Now, I would not label a brother who holds to that position a heretic as a heretic no i would rejoice i would rejoice that he's a king james bible believer and i would have him preach for me and i'd have no problems with that right um and there has to be enough maturity in the in the room for us to understand that there's going to be differences as to how you come to a conclusion without simply writing somebody off. Now, could I be written off by someone who holds <laughs> the, the Greek-Hebrew as the reason? Oh, probably, I guess, maybe. But um, there's there's not a need for that. Like, you can disagree about some things and agree on some things and still get along. I think that's where I'm at.
2: What I, what I described to you, I don't believe is a separating issue about right. where the line is between the church and Israel. Now, I believe it's very important. Uh, all the traction over the past two or three decades of Calvinism is because of this issue. They, The line between Israel and the church is being eroded. Sure. And when that's eroded, of course, Calvinism is going, you know, the principles of Calvinism are 500 years old.
1: hmm yeah. mmm
2: but why is it just
1: in the last several years it gained so much well I would argue they're older than that because Calvin himself um, attributed most of his understanding yes. to Augustine and Augustine. Just, I'm gonna call him Augustine because Augustine. We, well fine whatever get you get you some reading on Augustine and and not just like not just the Goodreads quotes on Google okay? yeah. yeah not just what someone's put to a, to a picture that you well, can post on your Facebook. Listen, know like, the or, man.
0: did Calvin say he could base all his theology off of him?
1: Yeah, I think... Uh, Something to, to that effect. Yeah, to paraphrase, he essentially lived and breathed yeah. the man. Yeah, and his belief.
0: My point
2: is... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My point is, what is the modern popularity... Um, it is, you know, where does that come? So, um, what's the spirit? That, right. The, and when we lose this line between the church and Israel, it strengthens their position. It's also where pre-wrath, where is Pre-wrath was first popularized in the 90s. And then it's been the last I' never even heard anyone mention it till the last 10 years, and then you hear it often. And well, where does that come from? Well, that comes from eroding the line mm-hmm. um, in between the church and the day of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And when that line gets eroded away, so these things are important. Do I believe I need to separate from someone? because their line between the church and Israel is not as distinct as mine? No, I don't, but some people do. Mm-hmm. Some people think that, wow, that is just, and... Which I
0: think, um, I don't know what our time is like.
1: It doesn't matter, we're just having a chat. Yeah. We're gonna call, we should just call this one a chat. A chat, welcome back. Yeah. But I think also,
0: um, it, it would behoove us, see, words matter, so I'm gonna mm-hmm. use one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as a, as a, even as an episode, maybe, to discuss, then what is a biblical heresy? Because just because it we use mentioned. the word, yeah, you know, oh, he's a heretic. Well, okay, well, what is a heretic? Right. You know, define it, not by how you feel, because uh, you know, well, he's a heretic. Why? Well, because he believes there's a line between Israel and the church. What do mm-hmm. you mean that's not a heresy? Mm-hmm. And vice versa. Right. Um, uh, I I have to use the Bible to define words, um, and I think that's important. You mm-hmm. know, and, and I think that's where the line is being blurred, or why we're using because we do. We we say words so quickly, and we want to jump to a conclusion, and without understanding what the Scripture is actually saying, or or rather how the Scripture defines it, versus how we define it. Mm-hmm. So
1: that's and, just where and some at. of that is just remnants of you know, portions of a, of a systematic theology that we were handed. Yes. It's a lot easier to, all right, if you're buying a bicycle and you have two options, you've got a, they're the same bike. One of them, assembly's required, and the other one, assembly's done. What's a regular American going to do? That's right. They're going to buy the one that's already assembled for them mm-hmm. and ride mm-hmm. home and instead of assembling it. And so it is with people and thinking about Bible things. They would rather someone else assemble it for them. We're a bunch of losers, guys. It's terrible. (laughs) Meanwhile, somebody in China is assembling it for us, right? right. (laughs) Come on. Uh, America. America. So I don't know whether wrapping
2: up this talk or not. What what I've been telling our folks for years is believe your Bible. Mm -hmm. Just believe your Bible. Believe what your Bible says. Um, I hear often, you know, and I used to do this where, you know, you go through the list where, I'm a King James heaven loving hell yeah. hating yeah. satan fighting you know all of these things you know you mentioned fundamentalist and fun I just call myself a Bible believer. Mm-hmm. If someone asks, "Well, what are you?" I'm a Bible believing mm-hmm. Baptist. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I am. I believe the word of God, and if I believe the word of God, then I'm going to be a hell hating. If I believe the word of God, I'm going to be a heaven loving. If I believe the word of God, I'm going to be all those things. Right. So I just believe the Word of God. But when someone calls themselves a Bible believer, is that really so? Do you really believe just what it says? Because we've romanticized the Bible, we've poeticized the right. Bible, we've right. allegorized the Bible, right. where it doesn't mean literally what it says.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, God lets us know. I, I take the Word of God literally unless the Bible changes that unless the Bible changes that I take it literally Mm -hmm. what it says Mm -hmm. and that has really helped me in my Bible study is just believing what God said that's fake Mm. just believing what he said Mm. Um, he's going to prepare a place in the wilderness for those Israelites and the tree cedars of Lebanon are going to grow up over it and protect them from the hail which falls from heaven do you know why I believe that? because the Bible says that. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that's speaking metaphorically or allegorically. I believe it's speaking literally. Mm-hmm. That, that is what God is going to do. Mm-hmm. And I just take it that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's been a fun little uh, get back on the treadmill chat.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll come back
2: with a, f- a topic for the next one. And Well, you can't run a mile at the beginning. No. Right, right. We right you on the treadmill.
1: <laughs> 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 We're looking for the button to turn it on. <laughs> Oh boy.
0: Uh, well, You're take watching us the numbers. Take us home, Josh. Oh man. Well, I hope um I hope you stayed with us. Yeah. This was good. Uh thank you for listening. I'm so excited um that we are back and uh, the boys are back in town. So um it's exciting. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Uh, continue to subscribe. Continue to subscribe. Can you? Un- yeah, I guess you can unsubscribe. I mean, yeah, you could. Yeah. So continue to subscribe. I invite your friends. Tell your tell your co workers about the uh, heretical teachings on backwards theology. It'd be great. Or
1: tell nobody. That would be great too. That's right. You can tell nobody. You can choose. And then if people tell you don't listen to it, you can also choose to do that. Yeah. Mike, this yeah. it's your life. Yeah. Are live we your, not American? Live
0: your best life now. That's right. No, thank you for listening, seriously, and I'm so glad that you're here, and we look forward to, or hopefully you look forward to hearing from us again soon here on Backwards.